Praise and Worship is a community of people in Branson, Missouri, who are gathering, growing, being encouraged, and sharing with others the love and hope of Jesus. Learn more online at branson.church. So I want you to imagine that tomorrow morning you get a phone call, and it's from one of the biggest law firms around. And they call you and they say, excuse me, is this? And you're like, yep, that's me. And then they proceed to verify your identity. And then they say, we need you to come down to our office this week. We schedule a time, they lock it in, and you go there. And you get to the office of the law firm, and they're all lined up, all these like super powerful lawyers, judges, attorneys, whoever it is, all the people with the authority. And they're there, and they've got all these books and papers and contracts laid out on the table. And you're thinking to yourself, what in the world is all of this about? And so you sit down at this big, really expensive table, and they proceed to tell you, you have an inheritance. And you might be thinking, well, I don't even know what you're talking about. And they say, you have an inheritance. It is, it is worth more than anything we've ever seen in our whole law firm's history. It's, it's the biggest thing we've ever even seen, and it's for you. And you're sitting there going, well, I, I don't know anything about it. What are you even talking about? And they proceeded to tell you the whole story about that there was this guy, and he did everything, and, and somehow, for some reason, he got connected to you, and he gave everything to you because he wants you to have it. This is the story of the Bible. And all of this business of you sitting at that table has, is happening right now. The Lord God Almighty is saying, I have an inheritance for you. You are my child, and I want, you, I want to give you my entire kingdom. Now, what happens to you and me is we think just as we would have thought sitting at that big fancy table is that that can't be right. That can't be accurate. This doesn't make any sense. Welcome to Scripture. Welcome to the story of Jesus. It forces us to take our reason And to set it down, not to throw it out, but to set it down and let faith come on top of that. Because when you're sitting at that table, you might think of all the reasons why this doesn't make sense, all the reasons why it shouldn't be happening, and yet the attorney is proclaiming it. He's sitting there saying, but it is what it is. This is what he did. It's a fact, and he did it for you. In in, in our world, it's, it's inexplicable. Some people push away from the table, they get up and they're like, and they walk out and they reject what has already been given to them. And some of us sit there at the table and we're kind of like, kind of like that meme that's been going around this week. They're like, you know, it's, it's like, what, what, how can that be true? And we start to think of all the reasons why it shouldn't be true. Throwing out or maybe ignoring the fact that it simply is. This is the call to be filled with the Spirit because in the real world, when you and I are sitting at that table and we've heard this story, it, it doesn't, it, it, you know, we just have all these re- reasons why we want to reject it. And we need help. We need help to even be able to fathom the words that are coming to your ears and to mine. And so today, what we want to do is we want to see how the Lord has prepared you and me for this inheritance. Take a look at Ephesians chapter five, verses one and two, because it's who you are. It's kind of like they've read the whole thing to you, the whole announcement of the gifts of this inheritance, just as we've been doing in the first four chapters of Ephesians. For you were chosen before the foundations of the earth to be God's child. That's chapter one. 
among, among many other good promises there. Chapter 2, you were dead, but he has made you alive by grace, through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. And we're just, there's that meme again, huh? What? You were created to do good works, yes. And in chapter 2, we see what those good works are. The rest of chapter 2, we see that he wants to create one new humanity out of the brokenness of this world. And so then we're, we're like, what? What? His purpose all along was to unite all things in heaven and all things on earth. And, and now he wants you in on all of that. And then we get to chapter three and he's like, and oh, by the way, there are these enemies, there are these powers, these principalities. Yeah, you're gonna be the one who tells them who has true authority now. Wait, what? And we get to chapter four and this powerful thing is no matter what, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one spirit, and he is given for you. And we've, we've called all these people to help you believe this, to build you up, to equip you for the work of God, which is to bring unity. And here we are, chapter five. Therefore, in light of all that, since all this has been done, prepared for you, be imitators of God, because you are, and there I've got in green, this agape children, right? You are, you are beloved, it says in English, but it's, it's this idea that he's done everything for you because the inheritance was built and prepared for you because you're his child. It's for you because he loves you. He agapes you. You are the ones he gave everything for. He literally died for you. So, why don't you go along with him in this? Like, come on, let's do it, right? He says, so therefore be imitators of God as agape children and peripateo, which is a Greek word that we've been sort of learning through this series. Peripateo means to walk about, right? That's the literal description. It means the, your journey of life. So he says, and journey your life in agape, in love. Not just the love you might have for pepperoni pizza, that's an inside joke among us here at Praise and Worship, but the love that you would have that goes beyond all things that transcends all things. This is undeserved loving kindness. That's what agape means. So you make your journey of life in love as Christ agaped us. How did Christ agape us? He died for us. He gave every, his whole life for us. He rose from the grave so that we would have eternal life, resurrected bodily life for us. And he gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Just so we're all clear, that's who you are. <laughs> That's who you are. It's like you're sitting at the attorney's table and you're thinking, I'm just a yahoo walking in here. I don't know anything about any of this stuff. And the, and the attorney basically reads the contract and says, you're actually one of the rulers of the universe now. That's, that's how much you're in. It's not that you just got a lot of money or you got a lot of property or you got the mansion in the sky, which so many people think Christianity is about. You're actually going to co-rule with Christ Almighty. That's your inheritance. That's what you're being given so freely. And you can see why people just kind of push away from the table. This is what it is. So now that you've been given all this, go with them. Do it with them. Participate with them. That's what the plan is. That's who you are. That's who you are. And you're like, yeah, but you don't know anything about me. Doesn't matter. The inheritance is for you. Yeah, but you don't know my history. Doesn't matter. The inheritance is for you. Huh. Isn't that interesting? That's what we're left with. Take a look at verse 3. 
given that that's who we are, look at what the Apostle Paul says to you and to me by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I've taken the English words and I've put the Greek words in their place because the English words have their own set of baggage and that is what it is. So the English is, but let sexual immorality and all impurity and, um, you know, depending on what it is, like covetousness or greed, depending on your translation, must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. And what I want us to do is I want us to see the actual Greek words because I think what we'll, what we'll discover is that many people think, they think that the story of Christianity is, if I'm a good person, then God will like me. That's, that's what they think it is. And maybe if I'm a really good person, I'll get to go to heaven someday, right? That's, that's, the, that's the caricature of Christianity. But I've already told you, no, it's you've been called to the attorney's office, you've been given all things, and you're asked to participate with Jesus. That's it. That's what it is. And so now... The, what this is, is doing is saying, so let's not let porneia, which is, is the first Greek word, which gets translated as sexual immorality. And so you can see, because we, you know, one of the things in our culture that's huge and now ubiquitous is pornography, which is also a Greek word. So porneia is sexual immorality. And if you add ography, just like we would have for photography, it's images, right? So that's where pornography is, is doing sexual immorality through images. But what I want you to translate that word as porneia is treating people like objects. That's really what it is. Because it, the, the literal translation of porneia is fornication, which means I'm going to go out and have sex with whoever I want to, and I'm not going to care about anybody, right? See, this isn't, this isn't imitating God. That's why he's like, since you are his children, since that's your name, your last name is now Christ, right? Just like, just like we always say Jesus' last name isn't Christ, that's his title, but you are now a Christian. You are now one who goes with Christ. You're, you've been brought into his family. And so part of, his, part of his thing is he doesn't treat people like objects to be conquered or whatever it might be, to be consumed. That's that, I mean, you think about pornography, that's what it's consuming. Thing. It's consuming people which is just a terrible thing to think about. But I'm not talking about the gaspology here. Like this, we were talking before service today. It's like so many people are like, like have gasps, like, oh, you know, and that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about sadness. Why would we want to, why would we be pulled in like a tractor beam might pull us in, like darkness might pull us into just consuming people? That's not who we are. So he's, and we've got this little subtitle above it. This is anti-unity. Not just disunity, but it's anti-unity. It's going against the bringing together of people by literally consuming them. And the second word is very much like the first. It's akatharisia. And I didn't pronounce that right. It's akatharsia. There we go. I can get that right. You can see it's all Greek to us, right? But the idea of is this is like non-pure, impure. And what it really means is this idea that you would be in partnership with the devil, with the demonic forces of, the, of this dark world, right? And so this is idea is don't be in partnership with the devil. And so there's a lot of ways in which we can do that. So if we, if we see people being treated improperly, being treated poorly, we can become partners with that. And I, I'll never forget, a few, it's been a month or two ago now, we had a big protest here in Branson down uh, in front of the Dixie Outfitters and all of the things that are going on with that. And they're like, why is Mark bringing this up? Because it was a classic example of acatharsia, if I can't spit that word out. It was a classic example of that. So the protest is going on, and you can disagree or agree with either side of it. That's not the point. But during the unfolding of those protests one Saturday, there was this 
you could see escalation in the crowd. And the only reason I'm saying this is because I, I was able to watch, there was a news reporter who videoed the whole thing and you could see it unfold. And so at first there's just people saying what they thought and then the other people said what they thought. You had these two groups, right? But then something changed. One of the groups started to get into partnership with demons. And what became a protest turned into a mob mentality. You saw evil now start to twist everything out of proportion. And once it happened to this group, then it happened to this group. And what was each people saying one thing, now it became they wanted to hurt each other. They wanted to, there was this demand for something, right? And what that is, is this Greek word. It's this impurity. It's this idea that, well, I would join league with the evil one. Join partnership with the evil one. And we, no one wakes up in the morning and says, you know what I want to do today? I want to go participate with the devil. And I mean, maybe there's a few of them out there, but I think generally that's not where people start. I think what happens is they, they start off saying, I'm broken and I'm hurting and I need something to make me feel better. And so invariably we seek out something that would make me feel better. In that case, the people were protesting what they believed in. They believed it was their rights, their freedom, or, their, or the demand for justice, or whatever it might be. And they, they were pulled into this idea that if I would, and again, they don't ever consciously say I'm going to join the devil now, but if I'm pulled into this mob and I start shaking my fist and threatening people, that that's going to somehow make things better. But it's this, it's this, it's, it, it happens without our intention. Right, and that's what happens with all three of these. And the last word is pleonexia, and so this is this is the simple word greed or covetousness. It's wanting what you don't have, and it's again consuming others to get it. So you know, you can think of I, you know, I, I when I was young, I got involved with business. I was in the IT world, but I got involved with with corporate world and, and small business and everything in between. And it wasn't hard to quickly see that there were people who stood on each other's backs and, and shoulders and throats to get ahead in life, right? It's just like, I'm not going to care about the people. I'm just going to care about the money, right? And so maybe it's not money for, for each of us. Maybe it's other things. Maybe it's security. Maybe it's freedom. Maybe it's something else. But it's this idea where I don't care about other people in order to get what I want, which really is the definition of all three of these words. I don't care about people in order to get what I want, whatever it is I want, whether it's physical fulfillment, spiritual fulfillment, or in worldly fulfillment. And, and, and this is exactly what it is. And of course, the answer that we started with is Jesus is your fulfillment. Je the Holy Spirit of God, sent by Jesus himself, will fill you up. These will empty you. And, he, and this is why Paul, Paul is saying these must not be even named among you. And so often Christians, especially that gaspology will kick in and they'll be like, oh my goodness, they did something bad at that church or at that group or at that family or whatever. It's like, no, 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 no. Don't be swept into the darkness. Don't be deceived. Take a look at verses six and seven. See what he says? He says, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the people, that isn't what it says. It calls the sons of disobedience. Now, the sons of disobedience, we saw that in earlier chapters of Ephesians in chapter 2. And this is, these, are, these, are the, these are the demons and the dark forces, the spiritual rulers of the evil realms. And that's exactly what's going on here. And I know when we hear those words, we're like, Mark, it starts to sound like a Saturday morning cartoon, which I'm like, I grew up on those, so I kind of like them. But the point might be, though, is more important, is it's not a Saturday morning cartoon. And I think if you would look out into the world, you would find out it isn't. 
Because look at the world coming apart at the seams and we're sitting here going, I don't think there are demons. Are you kidding me? I just described what happened at a little mob here in our own town. And you, all you have to do is look at all the cities that are on fire still to this day. And you ask, you tell me there aren't sons of disobedience that go around seeding the hearts of mankind and trying to get us to participate in the darkness, trying to get us to do this. I, I, I mean, as a, as a pastor, I talk to people and their lives are in difficult times. They're struggling with this, that, and the other. And they're having members of their family who have gone into dark places. Those three red words we just saw on the screen on the last slide, they're in one of those three, if not all three. And their marriages are in trouble, and their families are in trouble, and their work is in trouble, and their school is in trouble, and all of these things are happening. And you're like, don't talk to, I'm like, don't talk to me about Saturday morning cartoon characters. The sons of disobedience are very real, and they are causing, they're the cause of all of this. And this is why God's wrath is coming. Because he will not stand by and watch people suffer and suffer and suffer and people be consumed in all numbers of different ways. He will draw a line in the sand. Why does he delay? Because he wants everyone to be invited down to the attorney's office and to be given their inheritance. There are so many people that have no idea that they've been given the entire universe. And he wants us to do that. So he's like, don't become partners with the sons of disobedience. Walk in the light as he is in the light and therefore participate with him so that we would not be emptied, but be filled. And if you've ever noticed this, we talked about this last week. I kept talking about my my challenges with eating things. But you notice when you try to fill yourself with something that isn't from God, it invariably leaves you emptier than when you started. Have you not noticed that? So we mentioned the struggle with pornography. I guarantee you, if that's something that you struggle with, you know that it's true that when you get on the other side of it, you are emptier than when you started. If you struggle with greed and you figure out a way to get the things that you want, then you know that when you get them, you're emptier than when you started. And if you struggle with this idea of telling everybody what you think and, and literally winning an argument, right? That's what Akartharsia leads to, is that you, you wind up wanting to be right instead of being together. And so, yeah, you might be right when you won the argument, but you're empty and you're left alone. It's anti-unity. Don't be empty. Don't let anyone deceive you with empty words that lead us into all these places of darkness. These aren't things to gasp about. Oh, if I'm not a good person, God's not gonna love me. That's not what this is about. It's about the struggle for good and evil. It's about life and death. And as we've said so often, God is not interested in making bad people into good people. He's interested in making dead people alive, which is why he has given you his full inheritance. He's given you everything. Take a look at verse 18. Be filled. I love this. He says, do not get drunk with wine because that's what the world calls us to. And so many Christians are like, oh, don't, you don't ever drink wine because the Bible said, no, it doesn't say don't drink wine. It says don't get drunk with wine. He made wine. Why would, and he, not only did he make it, he says, I want you to drink it in the Lord's Supper. I mean, this is ridiculous that we would take the gift of God and turn it upside down. Those are empty words. But don't be drunk on wine. Don't fill yourself with the world and what it has to offer. That leads to debauchery. And I, if you remember, I always had to look that word up because when I was growing up, I never really hear that word. And I was like, what is that word? And, and what my favorite definition is, is debauchery is when you wake up somewhere and you don't know how you got there. That's debauchery. And that leaves you empty. But he says, be filled with spirit. 
And I've got two squigglies on the screen there. One of them is for Romans 8, and one of them is for Galatians 5. And if you've been around praise and worship for more than 10 minutes, I love to teach on both of those scriptures all the time. And the reason why is because they both talk about what it means to be filled with the Spirit, what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This takes us back to the table, right? When we were at the table and, and the, all, the, all the authoritative people there are saying, you have been given everything. There you go. Enjoy life. Go with Jesus, right? That's what the message is. And, and that's what Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you're sitting there, Mark, you don't understand. Pornea and Akatharsia and Pornexia, those, or not Pornexia, Pleoxia, those words, those Greek words that I don't even know, remember how to say, those words, that the, the sexual immorality and the impurity and the greed and covetousness, that's been my whole life. To which I would say, praise be to God, he loves you. Praise be to God, he loves you. He has given his life for you. He has conquered death for you. And you need to hear those words and let them go into your heart because you know what they will do? They will fill you up and you will never be empty again. You will never be empty again. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter six, if the people eat, eat the bread I give them, they will never be hungry or thirsty again. In John chapter 4, he said, the people who drink the water I give them, they will never thirst again. In John chapter 7, he says, he says, come to me all you who are thirsty. I will give you water to drink that will fill you up. And then the, the apostle John says, he's talking about the spirit, right? He's talking about the spirit. Romans chapter 8 verse 1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Mark, how do I get into Christ Jesus? He calls you in. He baptizes you with water and he puts his name on your head. And he says, you are now my child. You are now my child. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, Jesus said. So make disciples by baptizing them and teaching them. That's what he said. It may not make any sense to us. Remember, we had to put our reason to the side. But then what happens is his promises come in and we bolt our reason underneath that. And then all of a sudden we're applying who we are to his mission. So we're applying the reason and the skill set and the, and the giftings that we have to go with him. We are filled with the Spirit. And that's what Romans chapter 8 is all about. He talks about how you have been made co-heirs with Christ. And yes, it's a struggle for creation. All creation groans, waiting for the sons of God, as opposed to the sons of disobedience, the sons of God to be revealed. And for the full glory of that inheritance to be shown to all. We're waiting for that. We're like the psalmist who says, how long, <clears throat> how long, O Lord? This is what we're doing. And so then Romans 8, 8, chapter 8 keeps going and then eventually gets to this point where he says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither nakedness nor, nor danger nor demons or angels or anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And you know what is also included on that list? Sexual immorality and impurity and greed. If, if those have been things in your life, he is simply saying, I love you, come with me. If those have been things in your life, even this week, he's saying, I love you, come with me. If those have been things in your life on this very day, he says, I love you, come with me. I give you all things. I wipe the slate clean and there's nothing that can separate you from me because of my love. 
That's his promise. And look, at there's Galatians 5 on there too. Galatians 5 is the other squiggly. And what Galatians 5 is all about is he's saying it is for freedom that Christ set us free. Because he knows that those three areas of life that where we just dehumanize everyone and we're just consumers, we're, just, we're literally eating and drinking the world and all the people around us and stepping on people and consuming them however we see fit. That way of life, he's saying, I set you free because I wanted you to be free. Not so that you could be a good person, whatever nonsense that all is. What is good person? See, that's what people make up lists and then they define the sins that they, that they think that they cannot have to worry about and they claim if you can do the good of these lists then you're good it's just a bunch of religious nonsense jesus wants you to be free free of all of that by knowing who you are by setting you free and by filling you with his spirit with his presence what would happen if the emptiness that you felt was suddenly gone because that's what he promises to you today on this day in the mighty name of Jesus and by the power of his Holy Spirit as he works through his word into your life. Take a look at this next slide. It's kind of my, it's kind of my little logo thing that we always do. It's the praise and worship logo, but it's, it's my sort of words that I put on top of that. We always have these green words and we have blue words and we have orange words and, we have, and this sort of dark red words. And in my mind, this is always the framework because this is, this is the framework of the Bible. This is from the very first page of the Bible to the last page of the Bible. God is proclaiming to you your identity. Green means proclamation. It's what he speaks into your life. He says, you are my child. I don't care about what has happened. I died for you to take care of what has happened. Please come home. The parable of the prodigal son does not go like this. A lot of people think that God is like, if, if you'll be good, then he'll love you. No, 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 no. He says, you're my son and you were lost. And now you're found. You're my child. And you had gone the wrong way. And now I have brought you home. This is the power of God's proclamation of who you are. But we do need to learn the story. We, we have the, the story is the, is the explanation. It's, the, it's discovering all of the truths of God. And learning his story, you know, learning the story of Moses and Noah and Abraham and Daniel and David and, and, and Samson and on the list will go and of Peter and Paul and James and John and all the different people who, who interacted with God in his mission to bring these words to you and to me on this day, that story. And then not only their story and all of the people's story, but your story. So this is why we always say we want, to learn, we want you to learn their story and we want to learn your story. And together, we will go together with him in this broken world. And when we fall, we lift each other up. Because if you've noticed, you might be like, oh, I love all of these words. This is great. I want to do this. And then by tomorrow, you're like, I'm not doing a very good job of this. And we're like, that's okay. That's not what it's about. It's about coming into his family and being together so that we can hold one another up when one of us falls. Because we're all going to fall. This guy included. We all fall down and we need others to pick us up. That's why he said in the last chapter and chapter four, he goes, bear with one another, bear with one another and build toward unity. When people make mistakes, bear with them in love. That's why he said at the end of chapter four, forgive people like Christ forgave, like God forgave you in Christ Jesus. This is what we do. This is our story. And our story is a mess. His story is a mess. But at the center of the story is Jesus who comes to you and to me to save us. 
What about experience? Because see, what happens is we all have experiences. Some of us grew up in churches where we didn't have good experiences, and I understand all that. Count me among them. And so we have these backstories. We have these bad experiences. And the experience, though, is that he continually loves us no matter what. And so what happens is, is not only is this something that happens in our mind and something that happens in our heart, but it's something that happens out in the world, right? We actually experience it happening. And then the, this happens all through community. So it's like... Experience is not just, it's not just our, what has happened and what will happen, but it's also the, how it happens. It happens in community. And so this is always God's framework through the whole Bible. You can look for it on page one. You might like, where's community when it says God created the heavens and the earth? Well, it's interesting because you immediately see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all right there. He is the, the origin of community. The Trinity is the ultimate unity of diversity in perfect community. And so he then gives that to us through creation and through redemption and through sanctification, which is the process of him taking you and me and healing us and renewing us, filling us with his spirit. Take a look at verse 19. Now we've got it up here. With your what? With your what? Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. So I've met some people and they're like, I don't like to sing in church. I'm like, fine. Yeah, I don't care whether you sing or not. This is what I want you to do. This is what scripture says we should do. Make melody with your heart. Now what's interesting, all the musicians are just like, ooh, wow, this is like a multi-layered, like this is true on lots of levels. I'm like, yeah, that's what's going on here. Is this idea, and anyone who knows about melody, and I'm not very good at it, but the idea is, is, is people, do, people sing different parts or they play different parts in a song that are different keys or, you know, and again, my language is not gonna be right, but the idea is we do different parts, but together they make this beautiful melody. They make this hymnody. They make this complete unity of music, which is God's plan all along. And so that's why when we said take your reason and set it down for a minute, part of what we're doing is we're allowing the heart, we're allowing faith, but we're also allowing the, the, the realm of music and art and all the things that God does in people and through people. He works through all layers of it, all aspects of it. And he, he does this in our hearts. So yeah, you may not be much of a singer or a player of an instrument, but you are a part of his body and he has called you into your role in making one of those parts a part of his unity. Take a look at verses 20 and 21. How do we stand? Someone said to me this week, the church needs to stand up. And I'm like, yep, I agree with that. But what does that look like? Oh, let's read. Giving thanks and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is language Americans don't like at all. And it's only gonna get worse next week when we go to verse 22 when it talks about you know, husbands and wives submitting. And, and it's like, people are like, that's a bunch of misogynistic bull crap and all that, you know, all that language, which I know people get offended at language. And I'm just like, but what this is talking about is talking about us submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Reverence for Christ. If Jesus is Lord... If Jesus is Lord, then what that means is the way I stand up is to submit to Jesus and to submit to one another for Jesus. And that doesn't feel very good for, especially in a land and a culture where we're, we're you know, rugged individualists. You know, this is what we are. This is what we're built to be. But he is our Lord. And if he truly has authority, if he truly is the one we want to go with, 
then this is how we're going to go. So what we're going to do is we're going to ask him to help us in this. We're going to ask him to set us free in this. We're going to ask him to fill us up because this is the only way we can go forward is in him. And then especially in a world of, that is a mess in the year 2020 and all the various reasons that that's true, and we're like, how do we navigate this? In love, submitting to one another, in reverence to Christ. Let's pray. Father, I ask you to help us today, first of all, to see who we are, to see that we have indeed been called to that table and have been given all things, to see that with this great power comes responsibility, comes an invitation to participate with you in the restoration of all things, that there's a story both behind it and also yet unfolding in our midst. And I pray right now that you would help us see that you've invited us to experience that, not through consuming people and dehumanizing people and participating in evil, but by walking in the light, even as you are in the light, by being filled, not emptied. Help us to be filled, not emptied. And let us see the truth that there are some paths that lead only to emptiness and darkness. And I pray that you would help us have the power to turn around and come with you on the path which leads to fulfillment through light. Lord, I pray that you would help us indeed to have a community, even in these times when we can't be together the way we would like to be, that you would help us grow in community to put our trust in you and to do something radical, which is to submit to one another out of reverence to our Lord. His name is Jesus. He is the Christ. And it is in his mighty name that we pray, he who rules with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.